together academics, directors, CEOs and managing directors from the private and public sector. The Cambridge Service Alliance Service Innovation Competitive Advantage through New Business Models Conference was timely for all. In a more troubled, more competitive world, both business leaders and governments know that innovation and new methods of working are needed if they are to succeed in their delivery plans. Reduced budgets and layoffs are the reality for many, yet industrialists and policymakers are thinking long and hard about how to improve competitiveness, create jobs and boost their respective economies. Daniel Kalea, Deputy Director General, European Commission, believes in revolution, not evolution. Well, I thought it was very important for me to participate and I was very happy to accept the invitation from the Cambridge Service Alliance because this conference today has addressed a major issue which is critical for the future of Europe, for the future of our economy. How do we foster innovation? How do we move to a revolution in service innovation to grow and to create economic prosperity. Conference delegates are used to hearing talk of the transformational power of innovation, but it's up to Daniel Kalea to help turn those strategies into reality. Innovation, he says, drives competitiveness and leads to economic growth. We think that we are, as you said, in a very difficult economic crisis, the worst crisis since the Second World War, and the time has come to put the real economy back into the centre of our strategy. What does this mean? Europe needs to build on its internal market. Europe needs to build in working with the business in order to see if we can overcome these difficulties, to see if we can stimulate the economy, if we can, through innovation, through new processes, through new products, through services, come out of the crisis, and that requires working with the academics, working with the business, and working with the policymakers. It's an overall strategy that is needed to overcome the crisis. This is the EU 2020 strategy, which is putting innovation, entrepreneurship, SMEs in the centre in order to grow and in order to move forward. And I think you said SMEs have created jobs. There are 23 million SMEs in Europe, if each and every one of them hired an additional worker, we would solve the unemployment problems in Europe. We have 500 big companies in Europe. To reach the 23 million figure, they would have each to recruit 46,000 workers, which is not happening. So SMEs are the backbone of our economy. Two out of three jobs in the private sector are created by SMEs. 80% of new jobs are created by SMEs. So we need to put in place a strategy to make SMEs flourish in Europe. Daniel Kalea says the blurring of boundaries between manufacturing and services creates new opportunities for business growth and many new jobs. It often involves thinking the unthinkable. Those in Europe are in tune with the new Cambridge Service Alliance. Well, according to the studies that the European Commission has launched, according to what is, we are seeing in, in the economy, we see more and more that it is very difficult to have a narrow sectoral approach between what is manufacturing and what is services. More and more manufacturing companies are engaged in services. They are having more revenue and more profit 
coming out from the service side. And more and more you see an interconnection between manufacturing and services. A continent like Europe, which is based on services, needs to develop service innovation. And service innovation is not just technological research and development. It's also new products, new industries, new designs, new business models, new marketing concepts. It's this innovative area where a lot has to be done and where you are seeing this blurring of boundaries because it's very difficult to differentiate between what is the manufacturing, what is the service. The a joint strategy is needed and the companies that are doing better are the hybrid innovators, those who innovate both in the manufacturing side, the technological side and in the non-technological side. Now you said what Europe's role is in, if you like, encouraging this alliance between manufacturing and, and service industries. Do you see Cambridge's role as being important too? Because everybody, even Silicon Valley, comes to Cambridge, looks to, to Cambridge, and we're sitting at Cambridge University today. Well, I think Cambridge has a very important role because this is not something that we can solve by just by policymakers deciding what is the best way forward. Of course, innovation will come from the companies, will come from the businesses. Policymakers have to create the right framework conditions, but this is not enough. It's very important the role of the academic world and the role of Cambridge as a center of excellence where you are analyzing, where you are understanding the issues, where you have very, very good academic input on some of these critical areas is essential. We will not be able to succeed if we do not engage in a comprehensive and in-depth dialogue with the academic world, business organizations and policymakers. Founded in 2010 by BAE Systems, IBM and the University of Cambridge's Institute for Manufacturing and Cambridge Judge Business School, the Cambridge Service Alliance brings together world-leading organisations with an interest in complex service systems. The conference heard it straight. The strategies companies had adopted to succeed in the past might not serve them well in the future. Yava Abidi, Managing Director, Halcro. Thank you. Yes, I'm a member of Halcro's group board and I've been responsible for a major transformation program that we are undertaking. And I wanted to come to this event to learn more about how other organisations are, are dealing with similar change and challenges. And you indeed looked across a long view, as some would say. You know, you, some of your graphs went back to the Second World War and, and, you know, just seeing the growth and the changes that the company has been through. And it is a global company. It's a very global company and the fundamental challenges of change for us are about dealing with its global nature and actually becoming truly global in our outlook. The public and private sector are working more closely together than ever before and in some cases championing the interests of both through umbrella organisations, even if such alliances are initially unpopular. Fiona Capstick, Chief Executive Officer, Southwest One. So, yes, it's 75% owned by IBM and the other 25%, our partners, are Somerset County Council, Taunton Dean Borough Council and Avon and Somerset Police. And you are indeed subject to a lot of changes in the public sector and 
the private sector, political incentives and motivations too. And I think you said the only time they agree uh, amongst themselves is when they disagree with you. Yes, certainly with the nature of the political organisations where you have a membership and the officers. So we have that in both of the councils and then, of course, between the police constabulary and the authority. There is quite a lot of complexity in arriving at change agreement with all of the partners together. Yuvia Abidi and Fiona Capstick may operate in very different business environments, one global, the other regional, but both know that today's economic cutbacks are going to necessitate new business models and methods of working. It's a bipolar world and one where the challenges need to be turned into opportunities. And your challenges were on a global scale. For instance, I think you looked at your organisation, you used a delta change model and you regionalised because, you know, people were pointing out to you if you flew to a country, it took you 12 hours to get there. Your decisions were slow by comparisons with their time zones. So different challenges from Fiona, but a need for fleet of foot. Absolutely. Agility is really the key word in, in all of this. And we, what we wanted to do was to make sure that the decisions we make are made right next to our customers, but the responses we make are, are truly drawing on the global skills and excellence we have throughout our organization. So managing that challenge of responsiveness but a joined-up answer or solution to a customer's needs was, was really what, what drove our change program. Fiona, you said that that in your team you employ 1,300 people, 1,100 of them are from the public sector. It's times of change. You are, of course, a a regional body trying to create regional growth. But, But how do you cope with the challenges that confront you, particularly at a time of economic crisis and public sector cutbacks? Certainly we see a lot of discussion in the public sector about the future of the organisation and how change will affect people. A lot of rumours that we have to spend time scotching with the organisation to ensure that we all stay focused on our role, which is to deliver services to the citizens of Avon and Somerset. Now, you said we were living in a bipolar world, but it's a global world which has many challenges that can lead to business success as well. Does structure an organisation and conferences like this help you, if, if you like, to see where you're going in the future? Definitely. I think one of the things that's really important about this conference, from my point of view, is that my organisation is trying to actually go in reverse to what many of the organisations here are doing. Here we have organisations that are product-focused, that are technology-driven, who are trying to become more service-oriented, more close to the customer and offer services. We're a service organisation that's trying to do the opposite, develop a, a capability to develop products for our customers to work more efficiently around the globe. So yes, it absolutely is helpful for me to see the reverse journey, to see to chart our course in the direction that we want to go. Yavir and Fiona agree that innovation 
is the driver of success. Fiona talked about the complexity of dealing with different layers of, of the political organisations that she deals with. We face that. Our projects are becoming increasingly more complex because our clients, many in the public sector, are facing exactly the challenges she's got. Cost pressures, higher expectations from the public, and really thorny issues of, of, of in areas like climate change, poverty, and so on, that they have to come to grips with. And even as engineers we have a very, very key role to play in enabling that. So we, we face, actually, when Fiona was describing it, and I, I'd like to hear her view, but I've, I felt that there are some really strong parallels in, in both of our organisations. I'll turn to Fiona in a minute, but one of those values, as you said, you work in transportation, energy, urbanisation, growth, water, climate change, all over the globe, but share knowledge freely. Some might say, you're for profit, how can you share knowledge freely? Right. Well, we've tried it. And actually, whenever you share knowledge, you always get five times as much back. So, so really, the challenge is to do more of it, not less of it. Our competitive edge is not in our knowledge. It's actually in how we deliver it, whether we're imaginative in our solutions, whether we're committed and passionate in what we do. So we are at ease with the idea of sharing knowledge because we always get more back. Fiona, do you want to respond to Yuvea? Yes, a couple of points that he made, which I think are absolutely right. One, about the sharing of knowledge. I mean, if I look at all of the programmes that we have underway, anyone else could have thought of them. It's not really that clever. The the brilliance, if there is brilliance in it, is in the delivery, is in programme management, is in achieving what's been set out to be achieved. And there, are, there aren't many groups that have got the tenacity to do that, and it really is that tenacious attitude to it that is so important. The other thing that Yavia said, which I absolutely agree with, is around the thorny issues and the criticality of some of what we do. I personally, in my years in IBM have not previously worked in jobs where decisions that you're making really are life and death or the care of people or how they're able to live out their lives and yet in this relationship between the the private and the public sector that's absolutely what we're doing it's how people live their lives. Those innovative business models will need insiders, outsiders and mavericks to help construct them and help them succeed. Thinking the unthinkable or grey sky thinking are the order of the day. As the economic clouds gather over Europe, driving down costs, giving better value for money is what customers and taxpayers will be looking for. Peter Thomas, director, Transforming Whitehall Institute for Government, says attitudes will have to change, but that's not daunting, it's truly inspiring. Relatively new. I mean, we've tended not to talk about things in terms of business models, but the civil service's own capability reviews identified picking the wrong delivery model as one of the top four issues, and that was four years ago. And big departments have been applying business techniques like lean and continuous improvement for, for, again, five, six, seven years. So it's not new, but what's hard in the civil service is to change the default delivery model. So we're very... comfortable and familiar with doing certain things in certain ways but to change that and say that's not the best delivery model we should do it like this that's tough that 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 change is a tough change to make so it's more about accepting the limits of some of the models we've got and that we need different ones is, is what's tough and because you're in this climate of cutbacks, you say it's sort of the biggest challenge the civil service has faced do you think that will make people risk averse 
No, I think it'll be the opposite. It'll give them permission to try something different because you can take waste inefficiency out of a system, but if you've got to take 50% out of a service, you want to think, well, is there a very different way we could do this which will deliver as much service as possible? So I think it'll... People will really, really want to try to find the best way of delivering as much service as possible. Keith Jordan, Managing Director, Hitachi Rail, already works hand-in-hand with the public sector in what he describes as a top-down, penalty-driven system. But it does work. He has to convince the banks to invest in a 27-year business strategy. The right business model is absolutely essential for a long-term industry such as the rail industry where you, um, you pay a lot of money for an asset that has to last at least 25, 35, sometimes 45 years. So you have an awful lot of chance to make mistakes and for, to lose money. If the model is not right, then that can cost you very, very much long-term. So to get the, the model right at the start, to get lots of experience from such a, an organisation as, as we have today absolutely essential to make the right start to get profitability and long-term sustainability for the industry. And and is risk important? Is it important to take on risks where you may not want to, even in a culture which is (laughs) penalty-driven? Unfortunately, with the rail industry, you you have to take some risks. We have to believe in ourselves that uh, these risks will not happen, but you do have to model them. We have shareholders, we have stakeholders who who want everything to be a success. You you can only take so so much risk, but... in, in the rail industry, you have to sometimes bite the bullet and say, we will deliver this, and that's something that you, you have to get on and do. But while the private sector is working to please the public sector in its drive for greater economies and efficiencies, the public sector is taking a leaf out of the books of the investors and bankers too. One novel idea that the Whitehall grey sky thinkers have is to get investors to help improve the criminal justice system by signing up to the Peterborough Social Impact Bond. Peter again. I think there's a huge appetite in government and the civil service for those who are prepared to articulate and lead a very different way of doing things. And the fact the Ministry of Justice has done a pilot that people said was impossible speaks for itself. I mean, it's glib to say it's a great opportunity for innovation because the impact of reductions in public services is really tough. Loss of service and support for some of the most vulnerable people in the country. But public service staff are already experimenting with very different ways of making services work better, even with less. And we know that some things we do don't work as well as they might do. We know that we spend money on a project on drugs, say, when actually what people need is a project to improve their literacy so they can get a job. So we know there's better use to be made of public money. So if we could just make the best use of what reduced money available is, then we think there's still a chance to deliver good public services. For Hitachi, the tricky problem of how to create customer satisfaction by getting those toilets on trains to work, rather than to be constantly out of order through vandalism, has engaged their designers. Rehearsal and maintenance are what create success for a large manufacturing and service industry. Keith again. Keith, toilets on trains. You spent some time talking about how you 
if you like, test and model everything, including the robustness and vandalism of the toilets, because that's what most annoys the customers if it's not working, those electronic voices sort of opening the door when it shouldn't be doing. But, but modelling's important, isn't it? And planning for the future and getting the best service designs. Yes, I think it's the feedback of what the customer wants, but also how the customer uses a product is what you need to feed into the design. The example you used where we modelled train toilets, we got customers on board to try and destroy the toilet, to vandalise it, to use it absolutely the wrong way, but to make sure that it, it, it would still carry on working. So doing things like that and addressing the real customer issues, not just the engineering design, is, is a key to sort of providing the, the correct customer service. You talked about a model where you had rehearsals, 30 years of maintenance. I mean, that's quite something. Yes, it's a, it's a highly complex model. We, we have to model a lot of trains travelling around the country, potential simulating what goes wrong, all the issues that can go wrong, including vandalism on trains, which everybody knows about. But you, that's somewhere where you have to model, but at the end of the day, there are some risks involved. It is still a model. Um, reality is something different. What you need to do is not just model, but follow up the reality with feedback and make things better over the life. Innovation is the key to doing more for less, creating sales and jobs and getting Europe's economies back on track to growth again. The Cambridge Service Alliance, Service Innovation, Competitive Advantage Through New Business Models Conference gave much food for thought and enough case studies for all to go home thinking more deeply. Professor Andrew Neely, Director, Cambridge Service Alliance, gives his verdict on the conference outcomes. How do you think your conference is going today? Well, I'm delighted by it so far. We've had some fascinating speakers from both the public and private sector talking about the range of challenges as they innovate their business models. Why did you think that you needed to hold this conference now, really in a climate of world economic problems and cutbacks? Well, that's part of the issue. The world economic problems and the cutbacks mean that we have to think about how we do things differently. And that's not just about being more efficient. It's not just about taking cost out. We have to worry about how we deliver high-quality service. So thinking differently, now's the time to innovate your business model. And it doesn't matter whether that business model is in the private or public sector? There are some differences, but there's an interesting number of commonalities as well. Everyone worries about risk, everyone worries about the role of technology, everyone worries about delivering great service to their clients, whether you're public or private. Now, to those final thoughts of our speakers, Daniel, Yaver, Fiona, Peter and Keith. I ended with a series of messages, innovate or die, innovation is the only way forward, and then a message which I like is, if well looked after, all ideas could grow beautiful. Let's make it happen. Let's turn the ideas into good business projects. Let's create jobs. Let's move forward. We're fortunate in the private sector in some ways. We, we have self-selection. The people that work for us come to us because of what we stand for. So our real challenge is to be clear about what we stand for. And those then who thrive in that environment come to us. And those who don't go elsewhere. And we're, we're easy about that. We don't need to employ everyone in the world. And we certainly don't need to employ to compete for every single skill out there. Tips for CEOs, Fiona? You have to start every day as if it's a new day because you can't be dragged down by yesterday's problems. 
Very simple. Being a CEO or the head of anything is really about people. That's all it comes down to. Don't worry about the numbers. It's, it's where you can end up if you think very, very differently about where value lies in, in, in the services you're offering to a customer. So I love the example of Rolls-Royce of, you know, we sell hours in the air rather than engines that DHL are assembling car doors for Audi. It just shows where, what a different place you can end up in if you think differently about where is the value and what, what value can you add to the institution, and that's, that's a journey government's on. And do you see yourself as having, in a way, the same objectives for your outcomes as the private sector have? It, it may be profit in the sense that it's not costing the public purse as much. It, it's, it's value, and it's value in an era where there's a lot less money in the public sector. And, Keith, your outcomes and objectives for the coming years? <laughs> Obviously, run a successful business, but I think as a developing company within the UK and Europe, we, we have to maintain our differential and do things differently, hopefully better than our competition. That's the only way a company will survive. But... I think the key thing is working with the government, with the operators, with Network Rail, with all our suppliers to look at the whole system and whole life, cost and benefit, all the way through to the the final customers who pay a ticket for a train. Business model innovation is a challenge. It's both complex and risky. But by bringing academics, private sector industrialists, public sector leaders and the innovators themselves together. The hope is that the Cambridge Service Alliance will help you to tap into those rewards of success, increased profits and improved services at a lower cost, even if the economy is just jogging along the bottom. The social benefits are significant too. www dot cambridge service alliance dot org will tell you more about us. Mm-hmm.